Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I have been flying all over the place this week. It's the Wednesday Night War. I'm caught in the fog. It is me, your managing editor of Wrestling Nick, Nick Hausman, back in the foxhole here as the war is underway with my good friend Justin Labar. Justin, welcome back to the Winkley. It is time. We've been talking and talking and talking all year long. Wait until we get to October. Wait until we get to October. Wait till October. When the war is going to start, first shots fired, and we are here. It is D-Day. It is D-Day, and I am in D.C. The reason I am a little discombobulated here is I left Chicago, Illinois this morning. Uh, I don't know. I got on the flight around 7 a.m. I had to leave my apartment a little before 5 a.m., took the plane, got into D.C., got my shuttle, got to the hotel. The hotel, wonderful people here. Let me check in five hours early. Had my travel rig here. I set up a whole podcast equipment right here in my beautiful Washington, D.C. hotel room. And I'm in it, Justin. In a couple hours, I'm going to be at the Capital One Arena taking it in here in D.C. as this all gets underway. Home of my Washington Capitals. Yeah, it's going to be big. You know, um, I'm really excited. I just sent a text to Britt Baker a few minutes ago uh, just wishing her the best. I remember when her first match, I was at her first match here in White Oak, Pennsylvania. Just proud of her getting to now I'll be on this national stage and, you know, Wardlow going there. And then, of course, you know, people in NXT equally excited for them. Just a great day for all of us. It's just trickle. I mean, and it trickles down. You know, it, it, we every, every fan keeps hearing the fans win. Well, the fans do win. It's better for the wrestlers and, and their business and their leverage. It's better for us in, in, the, in the coverage world. You know, it's, it's more more content, more money for us. This is great. And uh, you're, you're a couple hours away from Capital One Arena. I'm a couple hours away from the viewing party. I'm hosting here in Pittsburgh at 1311 Bar to watch both simultaneously side by side. It's going to be a great, great time. Today. I knew it was just a matter of time until you plugged your, your viewing party. We'll probably get that in again here later in the show as well. So if you're in, if you're in Philly or Pittsburgh, right? You're Pittsburgh. You're not Philly. Go hang out Pittsburgh. with Justin. Um, all right. Pittsburgh. Well, we got a lot to get to here today. The last 24 hours and news from the world of professional wrestling. Um, and, of course, a couple interviews as well. Before we get to that, I want to apologize to a couple of our listeners, to many of our listeners, a couple thousand listeners yesterday, uh, we had a, a big 
mega super packed episode of the Winkley to start the week yesterday with me and Michael Weissman going for about 45 minutes talking the news. Then there was interviews with Joey Janella and Effie. We had the full audio from Cody Rhodes. Went over two and a half hours. I did not realize this when it uploaded to Audio Boom, but I guess it like only uploaded like an hour 40, and then it just like cut off. So I had to go in last night. I fixed it. The audio has been replaced. It's correct in the RSS feed. If you did listen to it and you were like, what the heck's going on, uh, go back. You can finish the episode right now. Um, and for all of you all else that have uh, jumped in and gone back and re-listened to it, finished the episode, listened to it since that kerfuffle happened, uh, I appreciate that. I thank you very much. Technical stuff does happen from time to time here today. But that has been fixed, and this show this show is going out on time, if not early, with a lot in it. So you're going to get me and Justin here talking the news of the day in just a minute. But also, you're going to get two interviews. First, you're going to hear from a woman that was very influential in the original Pro Wrestling Wars between WWE and WCW. It is Medusa. She's going to be here today talking about her new projects, talking about what's going on here with AEW and NXT and a lot more. And then right after Medusa, you're going to hear from new wrestling contributor, Kid Ref, Chris Levin. You may have seen him on Impact Wrestling. He sat down and he chatted with Anthony Corelli, a.k.a. Santino Morella, talking all about how he is trying to transition away from Santino into a new, more gritty, badass, brawler, fighter type wrestler so a lot to get to here today me and justin medusa anthony corelli kid ref chris levin let's get to it here news you can use news to leave a bruise this is going to be a week all about numbers justin everybody's going to be tracking success based off of attendance based on viewership and with that let's get to what the viewership was for the first big show of the week that would be the raw season premiere it drew an average of 2.571 million viewers that's up 16 percent From last week's 2.21, it was the best Raw viewership since the post-SummerSlam episode on August 12th. The first hour did 2.701, second hour 2.592, last hour 2.416. Was a bit of a drop from 1 to 2 to 3, but still impressive numbers here. Uh, Do you glean anything from these? Does this mean anything to you that they did a little bit better here on Monday Night Raw with the season premiere? Well, it does, you know, because... um I felt the whole show. I mean, again, it's it, it, three hours is hard to be complete for all of those segments, but I do feel that overall, particularly in hour one and hour three, which is it's it's reflected in these numbers, um, the show felt better. It felt, uh, you know, it's very it's 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 kind of the easy way for us to articulate it when we just say, oh, it was the Heyman effect, but it had again things things connected, things felt very you know shotgun starts, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Ray's out there, then here comes Brock a surprise, then we're beating up Dominic, then we're you know, the, the, even as something as small as uh, having a match go on, uh, having the having the ladies match go on, I think it was Sasha's match, and then you hear siren. You don't see an end, but that's nothing. You just hear a siren, and they just acknowledge that's you know, it, it just the littlest things. It kind of makes you feel like you know, it just makes linear storytelling chaos going all over. Uh, so this is a good sign. I mean, this is a good good sign, and and most notably probably the fact that uh, hour three jumped back up. That hour three, you know, was better than hour two. Um, hour three started approaching, you know, hour hour one. What you said, hour one did uh, two point well, no, five. Hour two did two point five. Hour three did two point four one six. So hour three was still down from hour two. It didn't. It didn't uh, dip well, back. Sorry. Up. Yeah, well, it didn't dip but back not up. as aggressive of a drop, I guess, uh, is something to look at. But I mean, you know, overall, yeah, this is good. I mean, up sixteen percent. Certainly, uh, they've had some down weeks. So I, this is definitely good news. Um, they got to capitalize on it. They got to. They got to. They got to. You know, they're, they're going to have uh, a lot of. A lot of headlines you got to imagine coming out of Friday. Then you got Hell in a Cell Sunday. A lot of things could happen to Hell in a Cell, so they got to capitalize. And yeah. uh, you know, I tell you what, if 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 you know, this is a huge potential here for them. 
Man, that's right. Hell in a Cell is on Sunday. This is this is a big week for pro wrestling, you know. And the and the big finish there on Raw with Lashley and Lana making out in front of Rusev. Do you think? Do you think that yields repeat viewers? Do you think people see see that and they're like, man, I got to know more of what's going on with with Lashley and Lana? Because I'll be honest, I, I rolled my eyes a little bit at this one. I I don't know if it's just because it, it felt really forced or it felt out of the blue or it felt like Bobby Lashley is a robot sex person. I don't really know, but it didn't grip me. It did definitely do a lot of views, but I don't know if that it got me back on the hook, you know? I don't, yeah, I don't know if I can attribute that it's going to bring back people. Um, you know, I, I think you have more of a case of if Hell in a Cell ends and The Fiend is your champion, yeah, then you are, that's a hook to tune in Monday, right? Yeah, that's um, true. But that said, the Lana Bobby Lashley thing, uh, it is, I mean, type in those names, the the amount of, ch- I just, I, I put out one tweet about my opinion of it yesterday, and it garnered uh, more replies than, than an average tweet of mine would get um and 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 to my and well it, it does to your point you know they've obviously gone down this with with poor attempt mind you in the past with um you know we, we've had several weird love triangles or four-way triangles with lana and rusev and lana with Dolph and rusev was with uh summer ray i mean they, they've done this poorly in the past and, and then also you simultaneously have the maria situation you know, the whatever the maria storyline is so that's where it feels forced and redundant and oh here we go again yeah but to the credit to the credit i'll give real quick of lana and poppy lashley and this is what i tweeted basically is to do that and to, to get it to happen right and to get people buzzing you have to 110 percent commit you can't just do little pecks on the cheek and because then it just looked like okay this is lame this is scripted she's obviously still married to rusev that was so graphic and so out of the blue that I've seen so many comments of people like, yeah, it's a scripted show, but man, that was a little intense. And like, are you, did they go a little bit further than they're supposed to? Or how does Rusev watch his wife do that? And this is, this is, this is, you know, so it gets people still kind of questioning like, oh, I know this is scripted, but how scripted? So I'll give them credit. They went 110%. Uh, well, uh, looking forward here uh, to uh, to SmackDown here on Friday night, debuting on Fox uh, Tick Pick. Uh, ticket website here. They're noting that ticket prices on the secondary market for Friday's SmackDown have been skyrocketing since it was announced that The Rock will be appearing on the show. The no-fee secondary ticket marketplace noted that the get-in price has jumped 87% since yesterday's announcement and currently sits at $116 a ticket, up from $62 just a day ago. The average purchase price has increased 14 14%. To one hundred nine dollars and sixty cents, uh, to a uh, hundred twenty-five and thirty-seven cents, with the average listing price jumping twenty-five percent over that span. Additionally, twenty-three percent of TickPick's total orders for this event came through yesterday, the day after uh, the Rock was uh, announced for the show. The Rock effect here, uh, bringing out a lot of interest here. You know, of all the shows that are going on this week right now, uh, in my opinion, the show that's got the most luster to it that seems to be. I don't know. It seems like the biggest deal. Uh, you know, AEW tonight, this is going to be a really big deal. This is going to be a big thing. It's going to be very historical. But they've done a hell of a job loading up this SmackDown card. Steve Austin there, The Rock there, Brock Lesnar versus Kofi Kingston. It's going to be a hell of a show on Friday night. I agree. In terms of isolation, Friday show is the biggest show of this week. Uh, tonight's a big deal for AEW, obviously, because this is the start of, you know, for the long haul. Of, okay, here's the long haul competitor, we think, for WWE. This is going to press WWE, maybe they draw better than than WWE um, and NXT. But yeah, I agree with you. I think isolated, just looking at the shows individually this week, absolutely, hands down, SmackDown has the most luster, the most uh, you know, big hitters coming out of it. Yeah, and you know what? We got even more news here about what could possibly go down on Friday night. There's now speculation that the Bellas 
may be returning to WWE on SmackDown after Nikki Bella shared an Instagram video regarding a photo shoot with her fearless gear. She also shared a photo of her like in a ring, which looked like a clip from an old episode of Total Bellas or something. So I don't know if it's going to be both Bellas, maybe just Nikki Bella. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't I don't think Nikki can wrestle anymore. I mean, it, 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 great for an appearance here. I don't really know what you do with her, though, you know? Yeah, I'm not sure either. And, and, and I think they are at the point now where that you don't necessarily – they're not – it doesn't have to be a package deal. You don't always have to have both Brie and Nikki. Um you know, especially with Bree being, you know, being a mom and everything now, and you know, maybe wanting to be home more. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if Nikki can wrestle. I'm not really sure. You know, certainly just a, a, a just an appearance would be fine because this this SmackDown is so historic and they're bringing out a lot of uh, past names for her appearance. But yeah, in terms of the the teasing of her in the ring gear and her in the ring, I, I'm not really sure what, you know, what what there is what there is for her to do at this point. Well, we got some more updates here on CM Punk, another name. You know, it's like we've got all this stuff going on right here right now, and there's so many people and things going around. Back CM Punk's name is being buzzed about right now. It doesn't really surprise me. So we got some more updates here on Punk at WrestleVotes. Uh, they're reporting that his return to WWE will probably not happen now, but it will happen eventually. And it was also noted that if and when it happens, it would be, quote-unquote, super quiet before made public, which is not really a huge surprise. Now, on that note... CM Punk appeared on the Kevin and Bean radio show uh, where he commented on the WWE FS1 show rumors, and he said, I think people have, uh, it's taken on a life of its own. He said uh, on that note, though, that it would be fun if The Rock were to call him from the Staples Center on Friday night, just like he tried to do a couple of years ago, and, and Punk didn't answer the phone here. So Punk definitely leaning into this, playing into the idea that that he's you know opening the door here to to doing more with WWE, I'm still like baffled by this after everything this guy went through with this company and how how bad it got. But I, I guess it's pro wrestling; nothing should really surprise me anymore. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, would SmackDown? I mean, this guy seems like he's ready to go. You know? Yeah, this is weird to me. Uh, look, yeah, nothing. Never say never. I mean, I I, I said this to somebody the other day who was ch- chatting me up uh, in public, um, and I said, look, you know, if 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 Bret Hart who got publicly humiliated and, and, and deceited, you know, and lied to and deceited, you know, in his home country live on pay-per-view. And then two years later, his brother died on, on, on WWE's watch. I said, if Bret Hart of all people can, um, can forgive and come back and, and do the business he's done with WWE, uh, in, in, the, in the last, uh, 10 years now, uh, then, then, you know, then anything's possible. You know, obviously warrior made amends, you know, any, you know, Bruno made amends, anything's possible, right? You know, you know, anything's possible. So I'm, you know, I'm not, it's not out of my mind that punk would one day do something again with WWE. This is actually even stranger of a position because it's not like he's like coming to terms with, with the people that he seemed to have a problem with, namely Vince and triple H, right. but it would be, it would be, he's coming to terms with the people that are now distributing, Vincent Triple H's product on Friday nights, which seems even scarier because it's like there's still bad blood then between the two parties, but he's now on a live mic able to say whatever he wants to say. And then how much can WWE say to Fox in terms of, hey, you know, we don't want this guy there when Fox has just paid them a billion dollars and Fox is saying, shut up, produce my show, we're going to produce our show. So that's an interesting dilemma. And then, and then the other factor of it is, Nick, you know, how perfect would it? Because you're right. Whenever Punk is going to come back to the ring, wherever that may be, you got to keep it a nice kept secret. You know, we, we, we've we seen all the behind the scenes stuff now they do after the fact, whether it's for the, you know, for whoever, you know, sneak them, sneak them on a bus, sneak them here, sneak them to a different town, fly them to a different town here. Like all this news, how fitting wouldn't it be? How fitting wouldn't it be? 
the that all this news here is, is talking WWE, CM Punk, WWE, CM Punk, Fox, and if he just popped up in DC tonight. See, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just wild. Punk is just such an interesting mercurial character here, and it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like whatever negotiations he had with AEW he liked. It doesn't seem like he enjoyed the way that the talks went, or he was treated, or something along those lines. That's that's been reiterated reiterated to me in, in news reports. It's also stuff I've heard from people uh, conf- confidentially in private about how those talks went down. And I, I feel like Punk is very much right now just trying to flex as big as he can at the moment. And, you know, if he's cutting ties with Cabana, he's moving past that. He's moving past – probably shutting the door to ROH there. If Cabana's going to be sticking around there, he's not going to go to AEW. If this guy's going to try to flex and show how big of a deal he is and how much everybody else around him screwed it up, I don't know that there's any better exclamation point than you could make for him to show that, oh, I am easy to work with. I made amends with Triple H and Vince McMahon. You're all the problem. Look at me now. I'm making a ton of money again. There's just something about that psychology that knowing Punk and the way he's operated over the years, I I get it. And that's why I just wonder if it's a matter of time. I I don't think it's going to take that long um, for him to be back in the WWE mix. I don't know. I I just... To me, what's still baffling is that you have, like, you can't you can't find a better, at least on paper, a better home for CM Punk than AEW. On the on the sense of, it's 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 for the wrestlers by the wrestlers. It's it's supposed to be. Look, we're tired of what WWE keeps giving us. We're going to give you an alternative. It's something new. It just seems like AEW is you know, but it's also got enough big budget behind it that it's not a, you know, that it, that it can that it can you know it can uh, serve up what he would command financially. It just seems like so bizarre to me that if this, if this, if if AEW is there as an alternative to WWE and there for Punk, that we would not see Punk in it and that he would go back to WWE first. So just just by the way things ended and 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 again, you know, him saying that things didn't go that that the talks apparently didn't for us, you know, you hearing what you've heard on reports as I've heard and you hearing whatever you've heard confidentially, sure, that apparently you know him and AEW hasn't hasn't gelled so far, right. That would be just the thing he and AEW would, would would want us all to know and hear, and that's what he I, would, would tell people I, uh, that he comes across, j- j- just in order to swerve us just enough, because it, it would need to be kept a good secret. I will bluntly say I think that Punk was expecting to get a seven-figure offer from AEW and got maybe high six, like a good high six, right? But not the seven. And I wonder if that was enough for him to get upset and feel um, undervalued, looked over, and say hey well if you guys are going to give me this again i will show you my worth i can i can play ball with anybody if they if they're willing to sign a check i'm going back to hunter and vince because they're going to offer me seven you know well i mean hunter and vince are in the 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 mode right now of offering as much money i mean you know i mean look at look at some of the reported money figures we've heard for current WWE talent that you know you know what they're how much they are or are being aren't being used so yeah, maybe. I mean, the, the, you know, then, then the question is, is Punk worth seven figures? You know, here's a guy who hasn't stepped in a, in a ring. In a, his last time he was in a ring was here in Pittsburgh in January of 2014 at the Rumble, where he unceremoniously, that, that was it. I mean, so the guy's been out of the game for, for, for a handful of years. I mean, uh, is he still worth giving well, seven figures to when he hasn't when he hasn't took a bump in, in that long? Well, is he still, you know? Well, what's, what's his commitment going to be, right? Is he going to work every week? Is he going to only want to work, you know, a Brock schedule? I mean, that's the thing is, like, the money and the time have to have to line up here. And so it was definitely something where the money wasn't right for the time, or, or maybe they thought it was, but he thought it wasn't. And, you know, again, Punk being as mercurial as he is and maybe having numbers and, and benchmarks in his head of, of what he's willing to do and where he's wanting to go and not wanting to say those numbers out loud, 
again, it's like I I see him right now sticking it to the people he thinks don't respect his value, and maybe maybe Vince and Hunter don't respect his value. But you know what they do not want? They don't want him elsewhere. So they're probably going to be willing to pay the troll toll um, to get the boys sold. <laughs> you know? That's a good well, you're right about that. That would be the number one reason for them to do it, even even if they still had issues with him, is just to, yeah, to prevent him from – and maybe that's, maybe that's <laughs> why they tolerate him being on Fox. Maybe, that's, maybe, that, maybe that is a perfect scenario for them. Maybe it's okay if he's on Fox talking about SmackDown. He's not going to be able to go to AEW. Exactly. But if he's on Fox talking about SmackDown, we don't have to deal with him in the building every week on the road with him. Yeah, so, exactly. So anyway, wait and see. Maybe maybe I can see The Rock in the middle of the ring. Staples Center, he calls up Punk. Oh, the ring's dialing. The phone's dialing. You hear ring, ring, ring. And then Punk just strolls down the entranceway with his phone. Hello? Hello? Place goes nuts, right? My, that, 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 uh, <laughs> that would, uh, you might have just fantasy booked the ultimate of, uh, of, of, headlines that would come i mean but wow yeah, i don't even really have words i know that i know it's a fantasy booking but uh, i guess there's i don't even have words for it's that what one. he teased it's what he teased here to what was the name of this i scrolled kevin and bean the kevin and bean it's yeah. what he teased to kevin and bean <laughs> anyway um well another another interesting interview here on fs1 first things first stephanie mcmahon revealed that her oldest daughter 13 year old aurora rose has already begun training to wrestle which is a, a little different because, like, you know, Shane, he wrestles. He's a wrestler, but he did the refereeing thing. Stephanie has wrestled. I wouldn't. I don't know that I'd call Stephanie a, a wrestler. She can wrestle. It's kind of like Shane. It's like, is Shane, I don't know, is Shane a wrestler to you? Would you say Shane McMahon wrestler? Uh, I mean, not like a full-time wrestler, obviously. But, yeah, I mean, because he, he, he's done enough training over his years, and he can – I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, he's a wrestler. I mean, I, okay. <laughs> like, it depends on your definition. I mean, I, he's right. not going to be. He's not going to be doing. He's not going to be chain wrestling or, or doing, you know, drop toe holds or anything like that. He, you know, he's a big. He's, you know, he, he's he's like his old man. He's a he's a punch, kick, do a big bump. See, but that's so. what I'm, that's what I'm thinking about here is a McMahon that can actually wrestle. How do you how do you book a McMahon as a wrestler against like Charlotte and Sasha Banks and all these people? It's just interesting to think about a. a a McMahon wrestling character, a very different direction it would be for the McMahons if, if Aurora Rose were to go that path, you know? Well, it would because we only see McMahons wrestle in, in a special situation, in a grudge situation. So if there's actually just a, a full-time wrestler that, you know, it's, it, you almost, I don't know how you ever get this out of your mind, but it's almost like you have to, um, you know, if Aurora in however many years, if, if she, if this really is what she's doing full-time and, Obviously, she'd always have an opportunity to work for her family's promotion. It's almost like you, she she can't wrestle with the McMahon name. It's almost like you have to just. Um, it's almost like a. It's almost like a, a Bray Wyatt situation. You just you got completely you know, no no association to the Bretunda family name and whatever. You just have to like completely create a new character and just try to try to wipe it out of people's minds that she's a McMahon. But I don't even know if that's possible. Um, well, uh, some NXT news here. Joaquin Wild, the former DJZ, he revealed on Twitter that he underwent successful surgery on his busted orbital socket, which we reported uh, last week. Uh, he now has a steel plate in his face. Sounds very dramatic, but the doctors have told him he'll be back in the ring uh, working in about four weeks here, so not a lot of time out. Um, I do know that uh, DJZ, Z, I'll just call him Z. It's still a little weird for me to call him Joaquin Wild. Um, you know, it. He's getting this this rap, you know, uh, as of late, where he he's, you know, stringing up these injuries. You know, this guy's had a long career. It's only been three surgeries throughout his career. They've all happened in a short period of time, the past few years. I hope this is the end of it here because this guy's got a lot to give, and uh, I would really like to see him 
um, you know, tearing it up in NXT. I'm very bummed to hear him as quickly going on the shelf here as he did as soon as he signed. Yeah, I agree. Any that that rap or that narrative is 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 exaggerated and false. I mean, he he I mean, he trained here at, here at our IWC wrestling school and still works as a trainer. Did work as a trainer prior to his NXT signing. And you're right, he's had a long career and he and, he, and he's and he's a long career and he's wrestled a very and he's wrestled a, a high risk style. And so really, the fact that he's only had the few injuries that he has in that time period, he's quite durable when you put it uh, in 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 um, context and relation. So. Yeah, hopefully he gets uh, healthy in, um, you know, four weeks. That's not that bad. Uh, also tonight on NXT, the Street Profits are going to take on the Undisputed Era for the NXT Tag Team titles. And in their corner will be hip-hop sensation Wale. Of course, Wale has been doing Wale Mania the past few years during WrestleMania weekend. He's shown up on WWE TV. So good use of Wale. I'm, I think this will be very cool. It'll add a little something to NXT tonight on a night where they're going to need little things to help steal some views, you know? For sure. And I don't know who wins this, but I just hope, if the Street Profits win, it gets them to stop making these stupid appearances on Raw that do them no favors. I'm all for it. Beyond done with that, man. They got to jump somebody. They got to do something. Um, well, we also have an interview here Sasha Banks did with We Have Cool Friends, a YouTube series, uh, where she, she was asked about her relationship with Vince McMahon since returning to the company. So here's what she said. She said, we have this great relationship because, you know, we talk money. He wants me to make him cool, so I'm just helping him with his jokes. We'll text jokes to each other every single day. He sends me a private jet. He gave me my own bus. I'm just so blessed. I'm probably the first ever woman to have her own bus. This was just a little weird to me because I, I always thought the wrestlers paid for their own buses. I've never heard of a wrestler being given a bus. This is seems a little different than the narrative I usually hear. Yeah, that is different. Um uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not, not even really sure where to start here. Like, I, um, <laughs> this was a very, this is a very, this is odd quotes to to read. They're little, little, little braggadocious of quotes. Um, no kidding. Um, what? <laughs> what how do you, how jokes Charlotte... do you think are being? I, I, what kind of joke? I don't know. Fart jokes? <laughs> like, like McMahon? Yeah, McMahon's known for like he likes cheap toilet humor. Like, do you, like <laughs> what, what kind of jokes do you? I mean, what kind of HR violation do you think is going on at these texts here? I mean, I don't know. That's, Vince, that's what does Sasha Banks and Vince McMahon find funny together? Vince, you got to put the trouser snake away, buddy. That's not appropriate. That's not a joke. <laughs> it's offensive. Um, and she, yeah, she's got her own. I'm reading this. And I'm like, the, he get, she gets a private jet and a, and a bus. How does Charlotte feel about this, right? How, do, how does Becky Lynch? How does Becky Lynch feel about this? If if Sasha's the first woman to ever get her bus. By, by taking her ball and going home like this, Becky Lynch sitting here in the trenches, you know, fighting day to day, keeping the, the brand on point, pushing the women's division forward, making commercials. She doesn't get a bus? Hmm. Right. Weird. Be Be Becky's, Becky's main event in WrestleMania, but she's still using Hertz to rent a car. And weird. So <laughs> Sasha's, weird. Sasha's so sleeping weird. in her, her bus. We know Bailey's renting her own car. She talked about it on, on Fox a little while ago, remember? So, oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Anyway, uh, we also, in the the world of uh, the last WWE note here, in the world of women's wrestling at WWE, we got a, the new season of Total Divas, I believe, dropped last night. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. But in the new Total Divas uh, season, there's a clip that came out where Sonya Deville and Mandy discussed pitching an LGBTQ storyline to WWE. Now, we haven't seen that come to fruition yet on TV. We have heard it talked about. Um, so I'm wondering if they were holding off till Total Divas got up and running to to move forward on this. We kind of got teases of it. 
Um, but I think we c- I think we could see this play out here on WWE TV pretty soon. This seemed like the first tease of them trying to introduce something like this. Yeah, for sure. You know, and Sonya has been real open and but who she is and good for her. And yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think that, um, you know, I, I think in 2019, moving into 2020, I think, you know, the, the world is a lot more, <clears throat> the world is a lot more ready for that than, than it's ever been in the past. So. Yes. And it's nice here too, with somebody from the actual LGBT community doing that storyline. Uh, wink, wink, Billy and Chuck, wink, wink, gold dust. All right. Anyway. Um, so- hey, 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 gold dust was androgynous. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, all right. <laughs> um, AEW news here. The 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 promotion of the hour. We got a couple news bits here about AEW. Uh, first of all, last night on TNT's Countdown to Dynamite special, it was announced and revealed that Chris Jericho's mystery partners for tonight's episode will be Santana and Ortiz, the uh, former LAX. Um, I just I don't why why give this away on the Countdown special, Justin? It's supposed to be a mystery. You're supposed to tune in to the show to find out, right? Yeah, um, I was so baffled so by I, this. So baffled. Yeah. Well, so let me ask you that. Like, I'm trying to figure out how to how to articulate and ask you this without just offending. This isn't as big of a deal to me. Like, I, I I'm not, and I'm not trying to knock Santino, Santino and Ortiz. I, I just, like, so what I wonder is what I'm trying to get at here is, first off, did they, you know, months ago when they announced when they started announcing matches for the first TV and they announced and they announced that Jericho is going to have two mystery partners. One, I wonder if this was always the plan or if this is just one of the options that, if, that, that the plans fell to. Um, like, for example, let's say if Gallows and Anderson didn't resign for the big money they did with WWE, was this being left over for them? Was this being left, you know, like, we're, you know, there, there had to been several options. So what I'm wondering is, you know, was this option C or D and maybe doesn't have this big of a of a surprise a factor or it's not as big you. of a name to the crowd. So they said, you know what, rather than having to be, you know, reacted to as a letdown on live TV, let's just let's just release it on this, you know, on this on, on, on the special that we're trying to hype to. You know what I mean? Is that, does that make it sense? I, I mean, like, the way yes, that that logic makes a lot of sense to me. Because I mean we've already seen Santana and Ortiz debut, so wouldn't really have the ump do it if, like, you know, if Scott Hall and Kevin Nash came out in his corner or, like, you know, I, I don't know who but, else. Yeah, like you said, Gallows and Anderson or the Revival. Yeah, the, the, yeah if, the, if, if, the, if the Revival pulled a Lex Luger somehow, I don't know what their contracts are. You know but I mean? Like, that's something, like, you got to tune in live to see, and, it's, and that's a holy crap moment. But th- this doesn't have that holy crap feel. So rather than, again, having a, a lackluster response by the live crowd, let's just try to get them excited about it the day before and not make it this big surprise. Um, well, uh, yesterday, uh, Cody Rhodes did do his AEW media call. We recorded the news just before I did the media call, um, but the media call is attached to the full audio of yesterday's Winkley. If you want to go listen to the full hour that Cody did talking to the media yesterday. Uh, a couple notes uh, I wanted to, to bring up coming out of that call here real quick. Um, I did get on the call. I was one of the first people to ask a question. I asked Cody about uh, the Rhodes name since he does have it on his weight belt here um, coming up for TV. And he said, uh, in no uncertain terms, he is allowed to use that name. WWE is not going to sue him if he wants to use that name. He can put it on the lower third. He can put it on T-shirts. It doesn't matter. He just chooses not to use that name because he's really enjoying creating his own persona, the American Nightmare. He likes just being called Cody. I mean, it's a given that he's got the rub of being Dusty's son already, but he doesn't feel the need to lean on the Rhodes name. And I thought that was a 
a very interesting answer there, especially after the years of speculation around the intellectual property rights of the Rhodes name here. Here it is on the record. Cody's just choosing not to push that name down people's throats. And uh, I kind of I think that's maybe a good idea on his part. I think it's a good idea for him to create his own brand. Yeah, I agree, especially when you know he spent how many years? He spent over a decade in WWE, or just about a decade. Um, and much of it was them always playing off who he was, you know, him with Teddy Biase Jr., him, you know, they're part of like, like it was all, it, it was, they, they tried to capitalize on him being second generation and, and, and much, and what usually happens uh, when, when you try that is it's like, everybody wants Curtis Axel to be Mr. Perfect. Everybody, everybody wants, everybody wants the, a, 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 a sequel. That's, that's the equivalent of what they remember when they were younger and saw the first version, saw their father. And that just doesn't play off. Right. So then, you know, then, then they took a, a hard, left turn and he does stardust uh you know it's something that's not roads but it's kind of roads because it's a takeoff of gold you know so i kind of get that he is finally he's having the most success ever in his life both as a in-ring performer and now as a as a as an executive um so yeah keep doing that keep 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 creating your own persona that's not a crutch that, that that's not attached so 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 aggressively to to your last name and to your family i think that i think it's smart by him uh also on the call cody was asked I forget who asked it here, but he was asked uh, about if there would be any original in a, uh, in, there would be any original AEW concept matches like War Games, the match that his dad came up with. Uh, he said that you know they've definitely been thinking about some things. He said that he explicitly owns the bunkhouse, but uh, what is a bunkhouse brawl? He's like, we can do those. I own that one. Uh, but he he just put it out there during the call. Uh, if somebody would like to let WWE know, I would like to buy War Games from them. Uh, he doesn't think the NXT version is authentic to War Games, which, I mean, it's it's weird because, like, you know, if you have the copyright and your trademark or whatever to the War Games name, but you don't do War Games as described in your trademark, is there room for interpretation there where that could be taken from you? Because as he points out, you know, there's no roof on their cage. It's done a little bit differently. Are they really doing War Games as it was intended to do? Um, maybe nothing to it, but the way he phrased it, I definitely, it definitely sounded like to me, he was already trying to make a case for why they could in good faith, take that name from WWE and adapt it to AEW. Well, and this is all just about the name, right? Because like, obviously, and just as an example here, AEW can obviously never have a match that they call a hell in a cell, but there's nothing stopping them from having a cage structure that has room on the outside of it and has a has a roof and is designed the same thing. They just can't call it that. You, I mean, because if 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 match concept was something that you couldn't even cross in, then who the hell in the origin of wrestling history owns you know a no disqualification well, match for where chairs and tables are used? You know what I mean? So like nothing's stopping them from doing the concept of war games. It's just right now he just can't call it war games. Yeah, yeah, true. I guess it's just I wonder if you're calling it war games and like I'd have to go look at how the war games trademark was filed. But if they describe, uh, you know, double ring cage with a roof and there's no and that's how maybe the original filing was but then they get in there and they go you know we're going to change it a little bit we're going to do it no roof we're going to whatever put barbed wire up there whatever you want to do um does that um in some ways nullify the trademark if you're not going to stick to the intended purpose of what that was and i guess i'm just you know legalese here legal legal beagle wondering if that leaves open the room for cody to claim that the trademark is not being used appropriately and maybe he could refile for it or make a case for why you know, because of the legacy of his father creating the war games, he could he could come in and take that name at some point. I'm sure it would cost a lot of money in legal action, but from the way he was kind of mincing his words there, 
I felt like he was maybe opening the door for something like that, if that makes sense. I got the I got the invite to be on the call, and I couldn't I couldn't make it on there. I, I would have loved to ask when he says like, how does he own the bunkhouse brawl? Because is it is it did he inherit it from his father, and how would his father have owned it? Because I would have think that he applied he applied I, I, for it. He applied for it a couple of months ago, maybe a year ago, under his own. Oh. Okay. Under his own uh, whatever LLC brand or his name or something like that, there were a couple things. I think he got bunkhouse, uh, bunkhouse brawl, but I don't think he got bash at the beach. There were like a couple things that he applied for that he has the trademarks to now. War Games is not on that list, obviously, but but knowing knowing the hoops he's gone through about it, attaining these trademarks here in the past year, or so I wonder if he's you know again just the way he phrased it. I was like. Uh, I see what you're. I see what you're trying to do here right now. It's like uh, you can't say you're doing war games and then not do war games. Um, anyway, I'm probably now. I'm now. I'm confusing myself a little bit. Anyway, lawyers are listening. I wonder, you know. I wonder if he own, I wonder if. I wonder if he owns the Shockmaster, and if so, I'd like to volunteer to be so. <laughs> Shockmaster's coming to Starcast. You see that? I did. Shockmaster, Johnny B. Bad, Van Hammer. It's gonna be a great Starcast. Um, all right. Um, those were a couple, just just two bits that grabbed me from that call. But again, you can go listen to the full media call over uh, over on yesterday's weekly. Also on yesterday's weekly, I finally released the interview I did with Joey Janela, um, and of course the headline right now on Wrestling Inc. Joey Janela in my interview, he called NXT's product stale, and he teased that he might be that prick to to kind of get at WWE a little bit on AEW TV. Ah, oh, that. I don't know. I, I'm just I'm so on the hook. I cannot wait to see what goes down tonight and what little symbolism and little fun things we get between the two companies. Do you think we get a lot? A little? Not at all. Where where are you at on the effing with the other brand spectrum for tonight? Um, I, I don't know how much uh, effing with the other brand there will be tonight. I think both I think both brands are going to be you know I, th- I think we've already you know limiting commercial interruption. You know that's obviously a strategic tactic by NXT. I think both brands are going to be so focused on putting their best foot forward with what they have that they're going to kind of just keep their head down and you know Triple H is going to give us the best NXT and and and, and Cody and company are going to give us the best AEW. But for for sure. As, as this is in it for the long haul, as we start to see, ooh, this brand lost several weeks in a row, and now they, you know, I, as 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 the, as the rounds and the and the punches start, as the rounds, you know, keep ticking on, and 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 what happens, we're gonna start seeing punches thrown in, in different ways. That that's inevitable. Here's my thing: everyone has a story. Yeah. And that's the beauty of today. Um, I don't know if you're recording, but you can just I, go ahead and do I, whatever you I do. Actually, I hit the but, recording um, button five seconds ago because I was about to start us up. So we can start here. That's fine. Let's just roll into yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think everyone has a story. And I, I think it's fascinating because when people want to do interviews, if it's with me or if it's with another celebrity or if it's this person, that I'm thinking, you know, it's not just us that has a story. We just happen to be out in the forefront with a name, and it it makes it bigger than life, and it it it's colored different. You know what I mean? And so it it's blown up to be something greater or exciting. So I really put people on an equal pedestal. Yeah, no, I and, mean, you sound like a people watcher. I'm a people watcher. I love looking at people and being like, what's their story? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, see... I started this um, new podcast. I used to do, you know, the full throttle and it was fun for a year and a half, but I'm going to tell you the truth. I love wrestling, but I, I hated it yeah. for a year and a half. I did it. And I just, I hated doing it. I hated talking about wrestling yeah. and I just, I didn't, my heart wasn't in it. It just wasn't, but I loved 
podcasting and talking and it helped me speak better and feel comfortable. So then I just started a new one called Five Minute Mondays, Paving the Way. And it's about people that are paving the way. And it's every, every ordinary person, either it's me, it's you, it's my neighbor, everyone has a story. And I find it so fascinating if I, and I tell people, you know, on a five minute Monday, I do talk over sometimes it's 17 minutes, sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's eight minutes. But I, as I tell them about the little tidbit for the day, it's, you know, when I was doing this, or when I saw this, it helped me, you know, pave the way or pave the minute for me to get better at this or to see this or to sit back and just say, hey, let me listen to you and just shut up for a while and listen to other people or watch them because you can almost see a story within somebody else, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I don't interview anybody. I just speak about situations or things that could help people um, help pave the way for them to their next step in life, no matter what it is. If it's my seven habits, that I have that I do ritually every morning, I share them one day, you know? So it's, you know, a lot of people want to ask questions. And of course, people are intrigued with other people like that are out there or celebrity type of level. And they want to know, I, well, I want to know, and that's another reason why I started paving the way is because I want to know what makes high performance people tick. I want to know what you do that you've been able to do so much already in the wrestling world and you have this energetic energy about you that is exciting. So as soon as you called, I heard your voice, it's upbeat. You brought me to another level, even though you and I are probably like, so, you know, we're high strung people and, you know, or, but it's amazing how somebody else's energy can bring you to another level and it gets your creativity flowing. And I talk about stuff like that. And it's just, I, that's my, that's my vibe. You know, I just, that is what I love to do is help motivate people, educate people on things of experiences, tell them about the person I met at the grocery store. And listen, this is the eight minute story that I learned about this person. And this person is blah, 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 going to the moon or something, you know, yeah. it's freaking amazing. I've never, I've been so busy my whole life. It's like, you just got to take a few minutes for other people. Uh, well, real quick, I'm going to smarten everybody up here. Uh, we rolled right into it. Of course, who you're listening to right now is Hall of Famer, WWE Hall of Famer, former WWE Women's Champion, uh, Medusa. And uh, man, yeah, I agree. You know, it's, it is your energy has really relaxed me. I guess I, I also just ate before this interview, so I'm usually a little bit more chill and upbeat after I've had some food in me. Um, but you're, you're, You've all, you know, everybody I've known that's ever known you has always spoken so highly of you. You know, I've told you right before we started recording, you know, you used to do Bill After's podcast. He, like, loves you. Bill After speaks, like, the nicest things about you. Um, And I had a chance here this morning. You know, I was getting ready to do the interview with you. I set it up on the premise that we were going to talk about my personal revolution series. And I kind of was looking over the, I was looking over the Indiegogo page and it all looked really interesting and then i I read there was the video and i thought it was like a photo at the top then i I realized it was a youtube video and i watched this video and this thing is incredibly powerful what what you're doing here Uh, uh, tell me a little bit about what my personal revolution series is this seems more about like it's about your story 
Yes, sir, it is. And thank you so much for taking the time to look at it. And you just triggered something. I think, you know, I think I heard somebody say something like what you just did, but didn't realize it. But the photo looks like a photo and it doesn't look like a, a video. You can't see the arrow. So I might have to enhance that or change that so people pay attention. They click on it and watch that video. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's very, yeah, that's interesting. And so the, um, okay, let's see. First of all, I've been writing a biography for over 30 years. And I just, every time I want to publish it, something great happens or something horrible or something that is so life-changing that I wait and I want to put the story in the book. Well, I almost published this book three times within the last 25 years. And some great monumental things happened that I didn't. Well, I'm really glad I didn't because the stuff that I have going on, even up today, I mean, when is a good day? It's almost like having a baby. When is a good time to have a baby? You just have a baby sometimes. You can't just plan, you know, ABC and then everything works out perfect. Things right. just happen. So with that being said, I've been slowly tightening up on everything on my biography, and I really am pushing for my book to come out for next year. So while doing that, I was sitting there speaking to my literary friend agent. He's like a professor. He's just been my best friend ever. His name is Leonard. And he and I have been dusting off the book for a while, one I've written and rewrote several times. And we thought maybe... Since the documentary series are kind of a big thing, they're just a big pop right now. And it's collecting a lot of interest within people. And I'm different anyway. I'm that offbeat, you know, I'm that offbeat child, um, you know, that does things her way, you know, does things her way. And she likes to break those glass ceilings no matter what and, and change it up and make it better. So I got... I was talking to Leonard and I just didn't know which direction to go. I saw that China was doing one. They came out with Andre had one and then you had Jake the snake and then you had, and then it get, went on and on. And I think didn't Colt have one or Joey Ryan or who else? Joey, them had Joey them, Ryan just had a documentary that's been like going to all the festivals recently. It's doing quite well. Yes, that's great. And it takes, even though you may make this documentary, um, web series or series, whatever people are doing, you know, sometimes you may not raise the money to do it, but you finish it and you do it. And that's my plan. Even if I don't raise the money, I'm still going to find a way and do it. Cause this story is, I mean, it's going to be life changing for a lot of people. And I want to help educate others that from a childhood trauma, I shouldn't even be here today. I'm I from childhood trauma after another after another into her teens into the world of entertainment for almost 40 years and survived so much without going down the road of alcoholism and drugs and but she was involved with all of that I've kept my life pretty private you know and close to my chest and never really spoke about anything you know the forbidden truth now Speaking to Leonard, we thought, well, this would be great. Let's do a documentary backslash series, web series, like six episodes. And let's put this out there and tell this bold story followed up with your book. So it could be a prerequisite, like a pre, you know, for your book, pre-marketing tool. 
I thought that is genius. Absolutely. So that's what we did. So we worked endlessly and hard for months and months and wrote and put together that Indiegogo fundraiser trailer. Now that's just for a fundraiser. It's not that the project's done or put together. We did all of that with the whole series in mind and put that trailer together. And when you say powerful, let me tell you that they did a great job. And how I found Jason, the the director that put that all together, him and his team that have worked on endless on other things, they've won a lot of little awards, like, I mean, major awards um, for like little web series or director of light or this. So they're really up and coming, you know, one of those raw um, new Uh, companies that are doing fantastic really really great people to work with and um i have to say the most patient working with me because i must have changed on one subject on that whole trailer i had them redo it at least 20 times because it was so meaningful to me because i had to relive it and when you open up old wounds for the first time in so many years since you were a child, I nearly just like, wait a minute, I need a break. What the hell? Yeah. You know, I just, I could talk about it. I can write about it. I can keyboard it all the time in my book. But when you're reenacting and you hire a little girl, um, her name is Riley. She's phenomenal. Um, that is, is reenacting a scene that you have to redo that you never revisited again but it's always being in the back of your head. It is emotional to say the least. And just, just Oh my gosh. There's a scene in there where the lady is dragging the little girl. And it was, I mean, you're going to see the whole scene, actually the whole story, what happens in, you know, one of the episodes. And it's like, what the, so no one's going to even, they're just going to sit there and go, you know, we hear all these stories about Medusa. She's strong. She's motivated. She's out there. She gathers. She helps. She brings. She's, you know, on point. And this was her life. Yes, that and so much more was my life. So with that story, it is a story about a little girl with a lot of childhood trauma that grew up into a teen um, um, situation in the environment where someone shouldn't be here and and then all of the adversities and ups and downs through young adulthood and in the entertainment business now this this series and my book i just want to make this straight is not about other people it's my story and it's not a story where i am throwing anyone under the bus or tattletaling. That is not my world. That's not my vibe. This is an amazing story that's going to help those in need um, that have been holding in some bad stuff their whole life or that is going through it. Or, you know, somebody if, you know, from abuse in every which way. And if I can help change one person's lives, this is exactly what I want to do. And then of course, my goal is to go out and speak to people um, afterwards. 
you know, uh, just to 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 let everyone know kind of what you're describing here in this this trailer. It's this, yeah, this this little girl Riley here, and the the framing is she seems to be in like a doghouse, like a backyard, gets dragged in and has her hand held over a, a an oven burner, a stovetop burner mm-hmm. by this woman, mm-hmm. and um, you know, as I and you you didn't describe it, you know, you kind of alluded to it. I wanted everybody to hear that because, you know, again, it's like I, I you know. <laughs> I, I, I loved you when you were under a blaze in WWE. You, you were one of my favorites. I loved, I loved your work in WCW as Medusa. You've had a lot of great moments. I even liked when you were doing the monster truck thing. The Medusa monster truck was so great. You always seem so much larger than life. It's, it, it is, like you said, this is very kind of jarring to see you pull the curtain back this far on who you are personally here. The, the imagery was just very strong. I can only imagine how hard that was for you to sit there and have to recreate that with another child, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it was, I mean, writing about it is therapy, of course, but when you have to direct and reenact the whole scene with the child, it, you know, of course, you know, I held my, <laughs> I held everything in and, you know, held my cool with everything while we were putting it. But by the end of the day, after 20 hours, practically, you just, you go back to your hotel and you just let it all out and you realize I am who I am because of this. And I am here to help others because of this. And it was, that scene was so um, detailed my whole life. Like there were certain times things would happen in your life. So these were like, okay, sort of back it up. So yes, uh, you know, my mother drags me. I was doing something as a child that she was annoyed by. And the story goes deeper even before that. You, everyone's going to freak the frick out. And so I was playing, um, this will age me, I'll just kind of, I was playing um, a record. It's a 45. Back in my day, you know, we were, you know, we didn't have much. So I would have to save enough to buy cereal that had the 45 on the back and I'd cut out the record. Yeah. And so that's the, that's how I got my records. So I would play my records on the back of a cereal on this record player that was called a close and play. And I would always put the record in there. You close, it would play, you close it and play. I was a child, you know, I loved my, <laughs> my little records. And apparently that there was a moment that, not just one, but there's several times in life that this was one of them where she just erupted and dragged me, just came into the room and just dragged me and my record player and all my little records and burnt myself and my records and everything over the oh, stove. Oh, I just want to hug to you To teach right a now. child a lesson. So that, but that is just a basic scene in there. And it's the, and that's just one. It's not going to go through everything. There's going to be just a few here and a few there of, you know, because it's not about a victim. This is not about being a victim. I'm not a victim. I am a child of, um, that have overcome the things that I was dealt in life. And I chose how to do it. We all have choices. And I chose what I needed to do for survival because survival is the best revenge. 
Um, yeah, and so with the series here, would this be kind of like what the trailer is? Would it be a juxtaposition of like you where you're at now, reflecting on these moments that are being recreated? Is that roughly what the series? We're going to be. Yes. Yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, We're going to we're going to be doing that as well. Sort of like um, I'll be narrating and then there's going to be some reenactment. But how we're going to start is going to blow everybody away because, you know, usually when you start a a book or a story, you know, people start with, well, I was a little girl and I was raised here. No. What happened to me probably a few years ago, not one person knows, the only person that knows is my husband, um, is is where we're going to start in life, and it's going to blow everybody away. And how I overcame that, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm here to tell a story, and it's, it's an amazing story. You know, I don't want sympathy or anything like that. I want people, this is a story that's going to, make you happy it's going to make you cry it's going to piss you off because you're angry at the situation but you're everyone at the end is going to be fist pumping i hope saying oh my god you know i just thank god you know she made it that type of thing and everything even when i crossed the line and won the racing and monster tracks you know <laughs> You know, real real quick, to, uh, we'll move on. Uh, I got one or one or two other things I wanted to ask you about here. But I, I, you know, what is your advice to those that are listening out there? Know somebody that may be struggling with similar spots. What what's your advice for them to help them cope or get out of that situation? I guess. Okay, I'm not a doctor, and I'm not, and I can't, and I'm not prescribing anything or telling people exactly what to do. What I can tell you is what has helped me as a person, as a human being, as a wife, and and a couple other things that I can't tell you, but you all will find out in the documentary that I chose to hold everything in. And I never saw anybody, I never seen any doctors, I never, I'm a self-healer like a mofo. And I found my way through other passages and I took time and I'm a huge introvert, believe it or not. And because when I would travel through the world and in front of people and hundreds of thousands of people and entertaining 60,000 monster trucks, 30,000, whatever in, in wrestling, I would come home and I would be at home and I would find my cleansing that way. But what I did was I, when I would see situations happening or hear them or um, that happened to me, I would be first a little scared or intense and it would kind of relive in my head again. And I knew what to do and what not to do. So if I saw somebody struggling or I can see signs of a child that's been through a let's say she was raped or a child that's been abused or a woman. I have a sense that probably because I've been through all of that, that I am, I can reach out to them and not when I say reach out, I don't mean reach out, like reach out and let them feel my vibe. Like you, sometimes you're just drawn to people. Um, and people that are struggling out there right now, 
I never was on one drug. I was the worst ADD, HD, DHD child like you wouldn't believe. I mean, I was so hyperactive. It was crazy. I never was on drugs to take care of that. I found other things. I found my way to be active outside. I found my way to be active on things of keeping busy physically. I did opposite things that were harming me, and I would take my aggression out on that. I truly believe that I did and am who I am because of my past and upbringing that led me to wrestling because I think I got to react somebody and be out there and relive and get out of my shell on who I was hiding from. Does that make sense? It, it, and, yeah, it does to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, so, but then when I was done, I was kind of like that person. So the best thing we hear a lot of people say is, well, you need to reach out. You need to talk to somebody. You need to do this. You need, 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 need. The last thing that we all need that we're going there is people are always telling us what we need. And, but there is one thing I will tell you that is so important in somebody's life that when they're going through something is that constant one person that they can count on and trust and love in, in, in a, in a moment. If it's a phone call, if it's a drive over to the house, if it's a plane ride, if there's one person, because my whole life, I never had that trust. I never had that love. It was always uncertainty. And it was um, always heartbreak, even through my relationships. And it was always having, you know, always had to do with proving my love, you know, because I was seeking it so hard and so bad through my whole life, but it was right there in front of me. And it's that one person, I'm not, I'm not kidding. It's, we need that one person to always go to, to trust, if it's, a, if it's talking or sometimes it's just being around them. Um, my trust level has been the shit my whole life, you know, only because of what I've been through. And I've had to learn to trust. And I've, I've always done everything on my own. So it's hard to ask for help because when you're left out in the streets and you have to um, figure out life on your own, you're always out on flight, uh, what is, uh, flight or flight, flight or flight. Yeah. And yes. And so you're always, you're, you're out, your guard's always up. And I get it. I get these kids. I get these adults. I get it. There's a lot of people that are living like I did. And it's like, it's trying to find your way, you know, how do you do that? You know? So it's, it's about trusting that one person and opening up. And I found out that when you do, sometimes those people leave, if it's family or friends, I mean, it's, they're like seasons, you know, friends are like seasons. They change, you know, you may have a friend for 30 years and they just crap on you for no reason because they're just done with you. I mean, your life ends. It's like, you know, what the hell did you do? You always think that you did something wrong. It's not you. It's not you. I just want you all to know it's not you. 
it's because they can't keep up with you, you know, and you're not, you're not wrong. You're, you're normal. Your, your feelings, you're just, uh, I don't know. I can go on and on. (laughs) No, I mean, it's, it's good. You know, that's, that's the thing is, you know, when, when folks like yourself that have a platform do become more open, you know, I think it's important. Mm. I think it's, I think it's important, you know, that, that people hear this, you know, cause there are a lot of people out there, even pro wrestling so diverse, you know, this, and like, especially in pro wrestling, oh. you get so many misfits, right? Like pro wrestling is basically the Island of misfit toys. And, you know, you get, <laughs> you know, so you get, you know, you do, you get to meet these, these characters like you, like I know you as a Lundra blaze. I don't really know Deborah, right? It sounds like I'm getting to know Deborah mm-hmm. in this conversation. But everybody, mm-hmm. everybody's playing somebody in pro wrestling, right? And it's almost like you can, yeah. you can all, you can all kind of drop your stuff at the door and hide behind that mask. Um, and mm-hmm. I, and I get it, you know. Um, I think it's it's great. It's a great reminder, especially for, you know, as we were talking about before we got on the air. You know, everybody's got a story. Everybody out there watching the show, and they use wrestling. To everybody say- has a story, and it, that's what has helped me too. You know, it's listening to other people that, hey, I am not that different. You know, I'm not. But I've learned, you know, in today's great world of technology, it's a blessing and it's a curse. Because there are so many times that I could have told my story, you know, and I've kept everything so close and, you know, to my best that it's almost like, you know, everyone's story is already out there. Sometimes, like, if you have an idea for a business or that, it's like you don't want to say anything because you feel like it's already out there, that it's already been said. But it's not. Every individual person is different. Everyone needs an ear. Everyone needs to be heard. And sometimes it's just through podcasting. Sometimes it's just through interviewing. You know, you have a remarkable job just interviewing all these people. You get to learn all these different little tidbits and all these great personalities, you know, and, you know, I'm sure that can be overwhelming sometimes. And then you, (laughs) I can imagine being in your part where, you know, you sit back and listen to all these great stories or not so great stories or this, that, and you, maybe you, you reevaluate, reevaluate yourself and going like, well, what the hell? You know, what, what, what am I doing? Which direction am I going? What am I doing? How am I going to do this? All these people, you know, it's almost like you said, you go home, you check your shit at the door and then you become this person. And and I was, when you were talking, it came, it bumped in my head. And I said to myself, you know, actors and actresses, they go into that knowing that, you know, that they are another character. It's almost with wrestling. We were never taught that up until now. You know, there's an actual performance center. There's an actual this. So everything is starting to be clear about who we are and what we are and what we did. Like you said, I think we were the island of of the misfits for so long. Yeah. And I happened to be in that era that we were lost. Yeah, it is. Do you think it's better now that the wrestlers are able to put a little distance between their character and who they are and let the, the fans in a little bit? I know that's kind of been a bit of a controversial tub, you know, subject on you know social media and things like that, that wrestlers are now, you know, they call me by my real name, call me by my worker name. You know, they're different people kind of thing. Yeah, and I think that's important. They're identifying exactly what our what our profession is. And I think it's really important because we don't want to lose any more people in our business because of it being so convoluted, you know, as far as who we are, what we, you know, what we do, not only 
was it like? Yes, a lot. No, a lot of people could not separate who they were. I worked with Randy Savage. Randy was Randy, twenty four seven practically. You know what I mean? Okay. And it was almost you didn't know who was who half the time. Yeah. But I think it's really important, and how they're doing it now is separating the job and the personal life, and that's very important. And I and I struggled with that my whole life, and I made it. I made it the number one thing for me to do. If you were ever to come to my house, you would never knew. You'd never know what I did in the last 30 years, even 10, 20, 30 years ago when I wrestled or I did monster trucks, there was not one wrestling picture hung up. There was not one hero book. There was not one action figure. There was not, nothing would be hung up. I separated my life from my business at the door. And I'm so glad I did that because I could have chose that other road which I probably would not have been here. So in from that era. So today I think it is so important. I think it's so great that they do have a performance center, that they do go there and they rehearse, that they do their and they do their job. And hopefully they're being taught that when you leave that you are Mary. You're not, you know, the other person. Right. So yeah, I just I think it's important. It's just like an actor and actress. Sometimes you got to go and study for three months to get in someone's head to be Hannibal Hector, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then you 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 leave that, and then you become you again. And it's so hard. The transformation is very hard. And then on social media today, that's even more crazier because we didn't have that we had you guys that actually wrote in magazines and you were our social media thank god for bill after george napolitano yeah. you know dave Meltzer, and everybody thank god for them because they were they were my social media yeah. and today trying to separate your character from your social media and your personal life Oh my gosh, it looks very confusing out there, and oh. you just don't know what's real and what's not. I think that's the only problem. I gotta ask you on that note: What happened with Lacey Evans? Was that what? What happened? Do you do you guys genuinely not like each other? What was going on with this here on social media? Oh no, Lacey and I were having fun on the DM on the backside, and she said something, I said something, and we both. And what's really nice is you're going to get very very respectful people talking on the dm say hey are you good with this yeah are you good with that yeah boom and then you go and put it out yeah and i'm sure that there's a lot of that on the other side with wwe because they would not let that happen no. you know what i mean i was surprised so, a lot of people were surprised yeah you know so. uh, yeah and uh, Lacey's an amazing woman she's got to be one of the hardest workers and you know People can say and do, and other workers can say what they want. And she is beautiful. She's she's talented. She's got a big future in front of her. And I just, I idolize her. I think she's amazing. And so when her and I were going back for it, we were just having fun. And, you know, and then we got to the point that, hey, you know, we got to, you know, we got to scale back here because we're not, you know, we're not going to go into a program or anything. Well, I don't, that's what I was wondering. You know. was, was there, was there ever any Oh, we wanted to. Okay. We wanted to. Oh, oh God. Yeah. It would have been great. Oh, man. But, you know, and then again, we just, you know, I, you know, we had to rethink and say, look, this is our platform, you know, because we still, um, we still, you know, we're, 
we're not working together. We're out there having a few words. And I did it to help build her character to become more of a heel. You know what I mean? Sure. So, and I just took it upon myself and her and I, and, you know, we tried not to cross the lines too much and we had a good time and that's all that was. And then, you know, WWE said, well, you need to, you know, you need to scale back and quit that. So, so there's a lot of control there. I hope with, you know, all the talent and I'm sure there is, um, you know, I'm sure that they watch all of their stuff, which rightfully they should dictate a lot of things. So, but what's more important is separating your personal life to your character. So wait, when you say a program, did you want to get in the ring with Lacey? Was that, was that something that was possible? <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. <laughs> I think it would be. A lot of people say, oh, my God, that is the younger version of Medusa. Oh, my God. And um, and I'm like, yeah, it's such a compliment. Thank you. And we giggle. She's so – she's a beautiful mother. She's a great wife. She's a, she's a great entertainer. So she's got a big future. Do you have the itch for, like, one big final match, a la, like what Trish Stratus just did? Yeah. You know, that's kind of funny. Um. I'm glad you brought that up because um, since we talked about this whole, my personal revolution, you know, my fundraiser on Indiegogo, um, I, I become more truthful on the outside. Not like I never was truthful. I become more truthful when I'm asked questions and I'm not so old school to think, what are people going to think if I actually say the truth? You know what I'm saying? So with that being said, is there one more in me? I I, I don't know. Maybe, probably. Um, would I want to? I I don't know. Um, if it was with a bull Nakano or, <laughs> you know, um, or something quite, I don't know. Um, what Trish, what they did with Trish, that's great. I think it's because she said what, you know, because she never really got her final um, retirement match. Is that what it was? Yeah. She never really had that a last match. It? Yeah, pretty much. It was just supposed to be the, the cherry on top of her career. You know, that last moment. Oh, well that's, uh, that, that was really nice of them to give her that. I mean, yeah. there's probably a handful of women that feel that way. <laughs> and I feel that, um, um, I think they, you know, they did it well and they put her in a good light. They, they did it, you know, respectfully. And, um, it made everybody happy, and it was in her it was in her own country, so that's even more perfect. Um, however, I, I feel that that anything um, from the attitude era back is 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 forgotten almost. I feel that there's a lot of people, men and women, that are not utilized or um, or thought of like that, given their last match so to speak and it's like forgotten and it's very disrespectful it's hurtful it's um it's it's sad um there's a lot of great people out there um i know that you know probably back in the day that you know a lot of people would say god you know i know i got one more run in me i can do this i can do that where you know half of us can't even walk you know i mean my god that's a lot of years wrestling and especially the bumps we took back then um, and they're crazy now. I mean, hell, uh, a lifespan of a wrestler more than 10 years or 12. I mean, doing what we do. I mean, all I can tell you is I'm 56 and I'm very lucky to be living 
sitting here doing this interview and with with everything that I've done and health wise it's coming people because that crap settles in and it's no joke you may not have broken anything yet you may not have hurt or feel like you hurt anything yet but your body is on high speed your body and, and adrenaline is 24-7. Even if you think you get a week off, you're still out there doing it until you fully retire. And once you're retiring, your body settles. It's almost like a bunch of crap inside crystallizes. And it's going to hurt, period. You cannot, <laughs> gravity aids nothing. You can't, it's catching up. And our bodies, and what we put through, I keep myself in great shape. I eat good. I mean, I have my vices in life. I love a good um, jalapeno potato chip once in a while or whatever. You rebel. But, you rebel. You absolute monster. Sorry. I love dill pickle sunflower <laughs> seeds. Come on. But, I mean, I feel that having one more match I mean, if I feel that I can't execute the way I did or wanted to, I wouldn't do it just for the sake, you know, um, it would be great. Yeah. The paycheck would probably be good, but I just, I wouldn't do that. I want to be remembered for what I was remembered for and not only throwing the title in the trash, but <laughs> for all the other things that I've done. And I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable where I'm at. Um, you know, maybe a tag team where I don't have to go in and make my partner roll around and I could do the finish, sure. <laughs> you know, You're... so there's ways of getting around it, but yeah. it's no joke, people, you, and... you, you know, you hear, you hear a lot of us right now, all getting body parts <laughs> and it's the truth. It's just, oh my gosh, it, it, it's changed a lot. And I love how wrestling's evolved. I love where it's at today because today Today's, let's say, women's wrestling is exactly where I wanted and how I wanted it when I was wrestling. Yeah. So if you think about that and take those two, my style was just crazy. They didn't know what to do with me. I mean, you had the Scott Halls and everybody coming up and saying, Deuce, uh, uh, we, none of the dudes want to follow that, man. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, wow. <laughs> well, thank you. You know? But so... I don't, I love how it's evolved. So today's women's wrestling is exactly where I wanted to be many, many years ago, but I was so ahead of my time. So I'm living vicariously through the wonderful men and women of today. And I'm not talking one federation. I'm talking many federations. They're doing great things. Yeah. And I love the competition. I, it keeps people on their toes. It keeps them hungry. And that's the way it should be. It really should. Wrestling, a good time to be a wrestler is now. Um, I, I think, you know, it's, it's at its peak and if you do a history, this is what it does. It peaks out for five years or so, and then it goes to its dormant and then it'll peak later. And it does, it's always gone up and down. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Hey, uh, I, I know we're, we're, we're tight on time here. I do have to ask one thing. Uh, how was it for yeah. you? to uh, get asked to recreate that, that trash can spot at the Raw reunion. I know that that was like a real negative thing for you for a long time. I was very surprised that you did it. Well, you know, I just don't, I don't want it to define me, and it doesn't. I, I won't let it. 
it was a situation that needed to be done that I didn't know I was going to do, but I was very hurt and angry when I was le- when I was let go from WWE because I was the woman, and I feel well. Why in the hell can't you let some of the guys go? Because you know I had to feed people, and I was the breadwinner of the family, and I was just very. I was like, there we go, women again. I was, you know, not only we're a sideshow, we have to be let go first, and blah, blah, blah. And so when I had the opportunity to do something with that title back the first time, I wanted to make a mark and think, you know, look, I ain't standing for this. Women deserve better. You know, here's the start of a revolution. And I never knew it was going to happen the way it did. Neither did Eric, you know, and it did. It was the start of the Monday Night War. So fast forward, I was sitting, I was laying in bed reading a book and my husband was sleeping and I get this phone call at midnight and I'm looking at him like, Paul Heyman, what the, oh God, I hope nothing happened to the kids. What the hell's happening? I won't yell, Paul, what? He goes, dude, I'm like, oh, hi, Paul, what's up? And I know Paul doesn't drink or anything. So I'm thinking, what the hell? So he goes, what are you doing? I go, well, I'm laying in bed. Well, what are you doing? He goes, well, you know, we're going over to the show. You're going to be at Rob Reunion, right? And I go, yeah. He goes, I got something for you. I'm like, what? He goes, well, we were just going over a few things, and uh, what do you think about this? And I'm like, you want me to take the 24-7 title and throw it in the – he goes, no, 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 no. Just act like you're going to throw it in the trash. And I'm like, my God, really, Paul? I go, no one cares. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. Half of them are going to remember, and half of them don't. The ones that don't, they're going to look it up in YouTube. Boom, double webby. We're good. I'm like, okay. I go, first of all, my first question was, how does Vince feel about this? He's good. It was his idea. He's right here. I'm like, oh, all right. Tell Vinny fine. That's great. And that's what we did. Wow. I was like, are you kidding me? So it was, I thought it was great. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was so, it was so perfect. And I do want to say, you know, there wasn't any ref around. When I gave that title to DiBiase, I just said, hey, give me some money and you can hold on to my belt. No, there's no ref that counted me. Oh, man. Oh, wow. Are you are you saying that you may still be the 24-7 champion right now? Yeah. So they're going to have to go all the way back and start it again. I mean, think about it. The main thing with that 24-7 title is yeah. what? There had to be a ref. You're right? right. You're right. You're right. Thank you. I'm still, again, again, I'm still. And still, hashtag the champion. (laughs) (laughs) Medusa, I can't thank you enough for the time today. Uh, uh, Again, very powerful. My my personal revolution series, the Indiegogo campaign. Go watch the video at the top. It is a video. Go watch the video and uh, and support the cause. I'm I'm very excited to see where this goes. And uh, and yeah, is there anything you want to do? A hard plug, promote, put put over anything here to wrap up the interview. I just I have a lot of projects going on, and I really don't want to, you know, talk about them until they're more than halfway into fruition. So just keep your eyes on my website, medusa.com, M-A-D-U-S-A.com. Um, a lot of good things are happening, and keep them busy, and just check out this campaign, people. I really appreciate it. If you can't donate, uh, spread the love and spread it across social media. And thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Okay, Kid Ref Chris Levin here with Anthony Crowley. Now, we're just after your blood sport match with Simon Grimm. Talk to me. How are you feeling? Uh, pretty good. I knew my cardio might be an issue just because I didn't get enough live full rounds in because I'm coaching and stuff. 
and it's kind of hard to prepare for a match like this when you're coaching other people but uh felt good you know i've been doing it for so long that it's some of the stuff is instinctual even though uh i didn't have you know the, the, the proper cardio prep um he's strong stronger than i thought he'd be physically he's very strong actually uh heavier than me so his power was kind of tiring me out a bit too to be honest uh but i just believe in judo man in these situations the judo transfers and translates very well to this type of match and uh it's what i did at the end i did a rolling arm bar that i've been practicing god man uh over 30 years i've been practicing that arm lock so that's why i was able to pull it out uh even though i was tired now I imagine there's you know a good group of fans who are going to be aware of your background in terms of, of shoot the shoot arts, but for you know the fans who just know you as Santino Morel, could you tell them what's your background aside from you know that WWE run? Yeah, I did judo since I was nine years old, and I represented uh, the province of Ontario, and I represented Canada internationally, and um, I wrestled in university, and I basically adapted my judo to wrestling. To be honest, I came fifth in the country, but it was really just <laughs> judo. And then, of course, when I went to Japan, I did catch wrestling. And I do a little BJJ. But everything I do, judo is always my base. Yeah. Judo is enough of a grappling art that when I do BJJ, I'm just kind of adapting my judo. When I do wrestling, I'm adapting my judo. And um, when I do catch wrestling, I'm still just adapting everything I learned in judo. So uh, I'm obviously an advocate and an ambassador to the sport. I believe in it. It's... If you have to pick one sport to prep you for a career in pro wrestling, I think judo is the most complete. If you have to only pick one. Of course, if you do MMA, you're doing everything. B BJJ offers really good stuff. Freestyle wrestling offers really good stuff. But there's no submissions in wrestling. You know, there's no, there's, there's stuff in uh, BJJ that's, that's missing. But uh, judo has enough of everything that with uh, taking safe bumps, mm -hmm. falling, getting thrown a lot. Of course, submissions, the clinch work, it's very uh, effective. Now, prior to your uh, Santino run, uh, you kind of used that shoot basis for your character in Ohio Valley Wrestling, correct? Yeah, so Rip Rogers called me Boris. That was just my nickname. And my first coach was Don Koloff. So I put the two together, and I was Boris Koloff. And I did the... Uh, then I went when I was like a Russian special forces trained, you know, fighter kind of guy. And then uh, Paul Heyman gave me the name Boris Alexiev. And because uh, Vince was a big fan of the Russian powerlifter Alexiev. Okay. And uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he was the first guy to clean and jerk over 500 pounds. So, uh, that which is an, an astronomical feat. And tonight at Bloodsport, your match was hungry. Was this the first time since back in the Ohio Valley wrestling days that you've kind of used that? You know, not just not Santino. Because, you know, obviously Santino definitely had some judo inspiration in, in some of his moves. I mean, just a little like, bit. Like but I couldn't, time do, you I couldn't do too out. much. If I did something, I'd have to kind of find a way to creatively give up control because yeah. Santino wasn't supposed to be a shit kicker. But uh, I did have one match recently uh, with Randy Bino, who's a Golden Gloves boxer in Canada. Um, and that was my only tune-up, really, in terms of this style of match. Um, I have a bad back that I'm struggling with, so I'm really, I focus a lot on, on maintenance and just keeping that back under control. For this particular week leading up i just kind of eased up on some of my training to uh not stress it too much and get it all fired up and inflamed but 
That, yeah, basically, this is the first time I've done that in, in, in this capacity with no ropes and that size ring. And it was, I loved it, man. I felt at home. Now, this is, this I think, was this your second or third match you've had since retiring initially? Uh, no, I wrestle. I wrestle want? probably four or five times a year. Oh, oh, you still? Okay, I didn't write you. But very, very rarely and mostly tag matches okay. and comedy matches. Nothing like this. Now, you initially retired from full-time competition because of your neck. How's your neck holding up? My neck's okay. I mean, I'm limited, right? I don't, I'm not, I'm not taking any fucking pile drivers, but uh, it's my lower back right now. That's the okay. b- major issue. And were you concerned at all going into this? If no, uh, I'm in control. Like, I mean, no one's gonna drop me on my head. Mm. Um, I'm confident in my ability to block or defend anything that's gonna put me in jeopardy. Uh, but it's always a, it's always a, a chance, right? You know, you, you land a certain way, or a submission goes on a certain way, and you can crank it. And uh, I'm careful of it. I'm very mindful of my neck with everything I do. Now, I know the Japanese work shoot style is near and dear to your heart, especially, you know, you named your school Battle Arts after, you know, uh, one of the early promotions in Japan. Yeah. So for, for a guy like you who has such legitimate credentials, what does it mean to be able to work in this type of environment in North America, not, not overseas? Yeah, to be honest, if I had my way, this is the only way I would wrestle moving forward. I would, I'm done being Santino, man. It was an honor and a pleasure, but this is my style, and this is what I'd like to continue to do. Okay. And you have a school. Your school's in Mississauga, in Canada, right? Yeah, right beside, right by, right by Toronto. You've been there. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, I have. And, and uh, where can fans find you online? Uh, on Twitter, it's Milan Miracle, and on Instagram, it's The Milan Miracle, and that's pretty much it. I keep people up to date. You know, I'm involved in judo. I do some commentary uh, for the IJF, International Judo Federation. Okay. And I do a TV show in Canada called Aftermath, and I coach and I just. Enjoying life after wrestling, but this kind of stuff will keep me coming back, you know. <laughs> and uh, I think if wrestling was real, I think you'd still be champion. <laughs> oh, thank you, man. Thank you. Okay, thank you, man. Thank you, Justin, for joining me at the top of the show to talk the news today. Thank you to Medusa. Thank you to Anthony Corelli. Thank you to Kid Ref Chris Levin. It's on, guys. It is Wednesday. The Wednesday Night War is here, and we'll be back tomorrow. I'm still going to be in D.C. I'll still have my podcasting equipment. Justin and I are going to record a little bit earlier tomorrow to accommodate my travel schedule. So thank you, Justin. I very much appreciate that. So you guys will be able to get this show a little bit earlier. Uh, of course, Wrestling Inc. Audio on iTunes. Five-star ratings, nice comments, always appreciate it. That's where you're going to go to get the show tomorrow. Tomorrow's show will not just feature Justin and I talking about everything that is falling out today and what will happen tonight, but you're also going to get the full audio from all of the AEW Dynamite media, media scrums that are going to happen after the show. I would imagine, well, we're, we're definitely going to hear from Tony Khan as he's uh, participated in all the scrums. Might hear from Cody, might hear from Jericho, might hear from Dustin, MJF, who knows? We'll see. But all that audio, that's going to be here tomorrow alongside me and Justin. And uh, and that's all I got. Justin, what do you want to plug, put over here before we wrap up this historical episode of The Winkly? Yeah, follow me on social media at Justin Bar. And again, if you're in Pittsburgh area tonight, come out and we'll watch side by side these uh, shows uh, going uh, tit for tat against each other. Uh, yeah, and tomorrow's going to be a, a huge show. I'll uh, do my best to be uh, as awake and alert uh, coming off of tonight's fun as I can be. Yes, ditto, ditto. And uh, we will have the video of those scrums probably going up on our YouTube channels tonight. We'll have clips of those going out on our social media for at Wrestling Inc. as well. So, so stay tuned, guys. We're your spot for all your Wednesday Night War coverage tonight. I am at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Enjoy the ride, everybody. And remember, if you winked, You didn't miss it.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.